Hello and welcome to the I Know Nothing About Beer podcast. I am your host, Al the Brewer, and I am so glad you are listening today. This podcast is for anyone that wants to learn more about craft beer and the culture that surrounds it. Whether you're brand new to the scene or a vet of craft beer, I hope you find something to take away from this podcast. So, pour yourself a beer, pull up a bar stool, and enjoy. Cheers. Welcome to the I Know Nothing About Beer podcast. How in the world are you doing today? Oh, I hope you're doing well. I'm doing well. I'm recording this podcast intro right now. Um, kids and, and playing in the other room, wife's over there. I'm like, I've got a little studio to do this in, so I don't have to wait till like 9, 30, 10 o'clock to be able to record. I'm liking this. All right. Today's episode, we are talking to, or said say I, uh, got a chance to talk to Marcus from Blackland Distilling. It's a distillery here in Fort Worth. Such a cool place. Um, if you are anywhere near the Fort Worth area, hit them up. They have an amazing, amazing place um, for a date night. In fact, I won an award for like best place for a date night. Um, I'm going to timestamp this just a little bit. It is December of 2020, December 10th, 2020. And um, we are under a, like a, a brand new level of COVID thing. So if this is at all, if you're listening to this and you are able to at all, um, just make a reservation for their place. It's just so fun to go there. Um, so uh, part of the reason why I want to talk to, sorry, a little sidetrack, but part of the reason why I want to talk to Marcus was because since I've started this podcast, I wanted to talk to someone from a distillery um, and ask them this question. Um, you know, how does drinking spirits and liqueurs help us better appreciate the the beer in our glass? As beer drinkers, um, how does drinking spirits, you know, like, you know, spirits like whiskeys and other, you know, other distilled beverages, we'll say, how does that better help you appreciate the, the fermented beverage in your glass? So that is something we get to talk about. We also... Um, just get into a little bit of spirits and liqueur talk. Uh, if you, that is something that is new to you, it's such a good episode. If it's not new to you, it's still fun to hear someone from a distillery explain um, not just the process, but just their passion for it. So I really like this. I, I know you're going to as well. Marcos is great, gracious host. We actually met at the distillery. Um, and so it sounds a little different from most of my other podcast uh episodes but no turned out amazing okay uh let's get going on with the rest of this uh thank you so much for listening to this episode if you haven't done so already if could you please leave me a review um at a five star on apple itunes that really does it's such an easy thing to do and if you're getting anything out of this podcast at all, would you please leave me a review? That would just help out this podcast. Second off, I've got a Patreon. Finally. I know it's been such a long time coming, but I finally have a Patreon. If you're getting something out of this podcast and you want this content to continue or you want to help make this content continue, uh, help continue to make this help make this content happen. That's how it should be. Um, check out my Patreon, patreon.com slash I know nothing about beer. It is a way to help support this podcast. I have different two different tiers as of this recording. I might have changed it up to three. We'll see what happens. But I have a five dollar a month um, uh, tier, and that is an invitation to a private discord with other patrons 
to discuss. Um, we get a little AMA every month and then a an opportunity to choose uh, an episode for me to do that is just for the patrons. So I'll dive into whatever subject you would like and we will do a, an episode just for the patrons that continues after the season has ended. So if you want more uh, of this podcast in your life after season four ends and in between season five um, and then, you know, after season five, um, that is a great way to get more content and just to kind of hang out and talk beer for a little while. Um, there's another tier, $10 a month, that will give you an invitation to a private bottle share where I will pull some really fun stuff and give the patrons an opportunity to um, pick out a, a bottle or two from my own stash. So more details on that a little later on. Okay, uh, I think that's about it. Thank you so much for listening. I so appreciate each and every one of you that has taken the time to download this podcast. Again, if you could leave me a five star on the Apple iTunes, that would be so helpful. And if you can go a little further, man, five bucks a month for Patreon would just would just mean the world to me. All right. Thank you, everybody. Have yourself a good rest of the day, morning, afternoon, night, whenever this podcast may find you. And cheers. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the I Know Nothing About Beer podcast. How in the world are you doing out there in podcast land? Oh, it sounds a little different because I'm in a different little spot. I am at Blackland Distillery in their tasting room. Man, this place is beautiful. I am talking to Marcus, owner of Blackland Distilling. And I know you're thinking, okay, you're at a distillery. This is a beer podcast. What is going on? Something that has been on my deck for a long time has been, um, what does bourbon, uh, what do spirits have to teach the beer drinker? So I was on the lookout for someone to talk to. Marcus said, yes, Marcus, thank you for being here on a morning this is my third podcast I've recorded in the morning. This is not how I normally do things. Thank you for waking up and being here with me, man. Oh, no problem. It's a pleasure for me to be here. I'm looking forward to talking about uh, beer and distilled spirits. Thank you. Man, uh, This uh, first, I've just got to say, this place is beautiful. Um, I think you have such a cool-looking tap room. I love how this place looks. And you guys just won an award from the Fort Worth Weekly, right? We won an award from Fort Worth Weekly for Best Distillery in Fort Worth, but I'm actually even more proud of the Tastemaker Culture Map Bar of the Year Fort Worth 2020. Wow. So Tastemaker, wow. We, Very nice. We, uh, it's funny because not a lot of people know about us because at night in here it gets dark and intimate. This is a great place to have like a drink before mm -hmm. or after dinner, but um, it's a really cool spot. Um, and Because most people will think of like a tasting room, especially at a distillery, yeah. as... Um, oh, I'm going to go taste some spirits, but we have a great, uh, bar manager and a great staff here and we really focus on the cocktails and it's a pretty special place. Yeah. I, I've just got to say this, um, uh, just a timestamp this year. We are in October of 2020. <laughs> we are both wearing masks while we record this. Um, and so this is, this is one of those places I have been wanting to take my wife to, cause I learned about you guys through a uh, Pepperdine connection. But um, I tried your, <laughs> I bought your, uh, your rye, and that has been my old-fashioned go-to now since I bought it, and it's been very good. Awesome. And this place has been on my deck of, like, I want to take my wife here on a date when we can actually start going on dates a little more. And that's not because you guys aren't open and able to have people here. Um, it's just that we have two kids, and uh, it, is, it is hard to get 
date nights going. I understand. I also have two kids, uh, wow. but uh, I would just throw in also when we're, as we're talking about awards, I think we also won award for best date spot in Fort Worth. So just throwing that out there, <laughs> like we have there. it all. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. Um, so let's start this off. Um, first off, um, how and why started distil distillery? I guess why start this distillery and then how, um, why Fort Worth? So people always ask me, they say, how, yeah, how did you uh, come about and open this distillery? And I say, yeah. it's pretty, it's a pretty interesting path. It's not that difficult. I was born and raised here in Fort Worth. And then um, I went to law school. So I was a lawyer for 15 years. Mm -hmm. uh, but at night I went to culinary school. And after I graduated, I then pursued a wine education through the Master Code of Sommeliers. And part of that uh, sommelier exam was mm -hmm. a lot of people don't know is distilled spirits and so then that got me interested in how to make distilled spirits so i went to about five distilled spirit schools across the country and then left the f my firm in 2018 to build the distillery we opened in march of 2019 and then here we are gotcha so you guys are just a little over a year and a half old yeah, very young. And in yeah. fact, we signed a distribution agreement last summer with Benny Keith. So we've okay. only been on liquor store shelves for one year now. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that's that's a big deal to get those those distributorship contracts to get your, your product, not just from the bar, but outside and around the area. Correct. Uh, I feel bad for a lot of places, distilleries and small breweries who are trying to have distribution and can't get it. It's just so competitive, right? Yeah. But it's yeah. been beneficial to us. We got lucky. Benny Keith was a beer distributor who's trying to expand their spirits. Mm. And so um, right now, you know, a year later, we're in about 400 liquor stores in the state of Texas. Very nice. So, um, you know, one positive I will say uh, for the pandemic is that a lot of people quarantined at home and we were able to get into a lot more places than maybe we had been in the past. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, and why Fort Worth specifically? Uh, I just was born and raised here, and okay. so I have family, and this is my home, has always been my home. Gotcha. And, um, will probably always be my home. Okay, okay. And just to be um, transparent about how the connection was made for us, you went to Pepperdine Law School. And while I did not go to Pepperdine Law School, <laughs> definitely Seaver undergrad. Oh. Yes, uh, Seaver undergrad, 2000, 2005. Um, we, we were connected through something that Pepperdine did, found out that you were a Pepperdine alum, alumnus. My wife worked in advancement, so if I don't say alumnus correctly, I, I definitely get a look at home. So we were there at the same time. We were there at the same time, okay. just very different. I think the only <laughs> way people have ever known me on, on campus as a broad sense was I was in a wheelchair at Pepperdine for about three months. Oh. Yeah. And so people, uh, when I say that, people go, you were that kid in the wheelchair? Like, how big were your biceps? I mean, that is the only time I've ever had biceps. And if you don't know Pepperdine, Pepperdine is all hills. Oh. There's not a, a single piece of flat land there. No. And so being there for three months in a wheelchair was, uh, yeah, I, that is the only time I could say I, I had a cut arm. Yes. <laughs> a beautiful campus. Beautiful <laughs> campus, but no <laughs> flat surfaces. Um, so um, let me know what, um, something I've wondered about is what does Blackland mean um, and what do you guys make? So uh, the name derives from the ecoregion that we live in here in Texas. There are seven ecoregions. We're in the Blackland Prairie that runs just north of Fort Worth down to San Antonio. And okay. it got its name because hundreds of years ago, there were frequent wildfires that made the earth gray and black, the mm. soil. And so because how we age the whiskey is in charred barrels, I sort of liked the connection mm. there um, of what we were going to do um, with our whiskey. And I also liked the name because... Um, it didn't really have a geographical connotation like 
my friends at TX Whiskey who have killed it. Um, mm. But someone in Minnesota, I know they haven't, you know, secured distribution everywhere because why does someone in Minnesota necessarily want to drink um, whiskey from Texas? Though I think they should. Um, but Blackland to me was broad and and could mean it could mean anything and be anywhere. Mm. So that's why we chose it. Gotcha. Gotcha. <coughs> Excuse me. And so we make uh, four spirits here, vodka, gin, bourbon and rye whiskey. And then do me a quick favor, because this is very much an education podcast. Um, there is spirits and there is liquors. And that is there is a difference between those two. Between spirits and liquor or liqueur. Liqueur. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, Sure. I mean, I I say uh, th- I I divide everything into uh, three categories really for me: wine, mm-hmm. beer, um, and then distilled spirits. And yeah. so then we can get into subcategories of everything, right? Okay. Especially in the distilled spirits world, um, where there's so much going on right now. Uh, even like uh, sort of in between both of those, which we could talk about, mm-hmm. is the seltzer world right now, which has yes. just taken off. Right. It's huge. Yes. And so there's a big fight amongst people because I think it's really easy for the breweries mm-hmm. um, to can seltzers. Yes. What I think is a little bit more difficult for them is to actually make the seltzer um, that's clear and filter it when, to me, it, it should be a distilled spirit in that seltzer. Or Now, I'm not, I'm not an advocate for those. I don't understand mm-hmm. those. It's like, for me, it's drinking a watered-down vodka soda. But there's a segment yeah. of the population that wants that. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I think distilleries sh- will, can make better seltzers just because of the process, but the breweries are doing it, and they have the canning ability that the distilleries don't. don't. And so you've kind of got this in between there and then that's what we have but i i mean you can't argue with how all of the what are called rtds these ready to drinks yes um are killing it right now in this area and i may have not answered your question but <laughs> i went off it on went a, a little bit there. but <laughs> <laughs> um but um there's in the world of spirits there are subcategories you have l- spirit which is a pure distilled something if i could put it that way yeah and then you have liqueurs, which are a spirit plus something else. Yes. Um, <clears throat> and really, um, if we're talking about distilled spirits, it's the process is very similar to beer, right? In mm-hmm. that you start with a grain, yep. you, you ferment, and at that point you'd add some hops and you'd have beer, right? Mm-hmm. We take that to the next level. We distill it. We separate the ethanol from the grain. We refine it. Um, we take the heads and tails out and you have essentially a neutral grain spirit. And then what mm-hmm. you do with that at that point, um, besides the grain you start with, will kind of determine what it is. But then for liqueurs and things you can add in um, or redistill um, with whatever it is, like yeah. a brandy or fruit, um, or then you get flavored things, mm-hmm. um, botanicals for gin. I mean, it just, it all the way down, you, you can make a hundred different variations of yeah. it. Um, and then you just said uh, something, the, the, the head and the tails, those are the cuts that are made when, the, when you're doing the distilling process. So you're distilling, you're ending up with this liquid that's coming out of the pipe after you've you know, done your mash and all of that. And you make your head cut, which is that very first cut, meaning you're literally taking away because that is the methyl alcohol that's Correct. coming out. Correct. And no one wants that. That's the really bad stuff. 
You don't. That's the stuff that makes you go blind or gives you a headache. That's the stuff you've probably ingested at some point when you were poor in college and drank like That's taka and some other things. <laughs> and then you have the, the heart cut. Right. I, at least I've heard it called the heart cut. And that's the stuff that is the actual good stuff you'd want to drink. Yes. And then you have the tail cut, which is the part that has, of what I've had I've explained to me, the most extra stuff that you do not want out of, uh, out, out of the spirit. Not that it's poisonous to you, but that um, it's the the stuff I've heard it put this way that um, reminds you of what you had the night before, the morning after. So what I'll say about the tails is you definitely don't want tails in vodka or gin when we're doing a really clean spirit, a okay. clear spirit. But I think there's value in some tails on whiskey because you still have these esters and some flavor in there. Mm -hmm. The problem with the tails is, like to your point is you'll have some stomach problems maybe afterwards. Gotcha. And so the more tails you leave in and you want to kind of create that flavor, the longer it needs to mellow out in the barrel over mm. time. And so you have to be, <coughs> excuse me, very careful and very consistent with how you make your tails cut and what how much tails you want to leave in. Um, because it will add to the spirit in a good way, um, but you just have to uh, also be careful of the other side of that and leaving too much in. Gotcha. Um, and you, you've already mentioned you, you make, you've got a, a bourbon, a rye whiskey, a, the vodka, and the gin. Um, and also, I got to just, you know, in walking from point A to point B, saw the distillery itself. I'm like, oh, hey, firm tanks. I know these. There's a lot of familiar equipment. If you've been to a brewery, um, you walk into a distillery, and if you ever get to see behind the scenes, it looks very, very familiar beyond the pot stills and things like that that go, around, go on there. Yes, I mean, uh, again, the pro <coughs> excuse me. Mm -hmm. Again, the process is virtually the same at the beginning. Uh, yeah. I would I would only just say one differentiator is a lot of breweries, and and I'm glad that especially on craft breweries are sort of branching out a little bit because when this all started, it was we we're going to use malted barley, mm -hmm. right? Um, and by the way, that was the same for whiskey. Like in I in Irish whiskey is 100% malted barley. Yes. And now that's completely changed. We flipped and America, it has to be corn for bourbon, at least 51% corn, right? Mm -hmm. Or wheat, weeded bourbons are coming in right now, just like weeded uh, beer is coming in, right? And I think the flavors of different grains are great. And I'm happy that we're pushing the limits. That's the best part for me of craft is that we have a little bit more freedom than those bigger traditional places to do yes. different things, right? Yes. Um, so... Yeah, it's it's similar in that regard at the beginning, and then it gets a lot different. I would also say just after the distillation, especially how we finish it. Gotcha. And then um, explain to me what do you mean by how you finish it? Just uh, in the tail cuts or the the heart and tail cuts? Or I would just say like example for a vodka. Uh -huh. um, we finish we we take that grain neutral spirit that comes out, and then we filter it through carbon for three days to really remove impurities, wow, which is something days. you're yeah. It's a slow drip. Um, I think it's important because ideologically for me, vodka is supposed to be a vehicle for something you drink. Nobody's coming in and asking me for vodka on ice unless they really want to taste our vodka. Yeah. It's a martini or a vodka soda or something yes. like that. So I want it filtered. I want it as clean as possible. And and, um, and the water is also a big part of that. But yeah. again, that's my philosophy there. The same for like gin. We're infusing that grain neutral spirit with botanicals. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what I say by finishing it and flavoring it, right? Mm -hmm. And we infuse that during a vapor infusion during the distillation process. And again, the whiskeys, well, yes, it's coming out pretty clean and pretty clear. 
Um, but then we're taking that and putting it in barrels and trying to infuse really that or impart that wood flavor mm-hmm. um, onto the spirit over a period of years. Um, now, now I said wow to the three days on uh, the, the carbon uh, filtering because generally um, when you have vodka, because it comes out clean, there is you know always a filtering process, but that's not normally three days. It's normally what? Like one or two pass-throughs of filter and that's it. Yeah, that's correct. Most people use uh, like a sheet filter of carbon mm-hmm. that they pass through. And um, you can also see those now frequently at breweries as they're trying to do those who are trying to do seltzers too, yeah. uh, to try and get some color out. But um, we slow drip our vodka through a filter that we built that's just packed with carbon. Gotcha. And it, that's how long it takes. And we're constantly wow. dripping all the time because it's just so slow but to me it just makes a huge difference it's not much different than if you took a bad vodka and poured it through a brita filter um it would change the flavor and i think in a good way but what you start with is also important yeah yeah of course because if you're starting with a, a better product <laughs> yes. like I, I i'm sure i think there's a MythBusters about that as well but really it's it's if you're starting with a better product overall you're you're giving yourself a head start of course yes um, and now you mentioned barrels, um, something that I know I've wondered about. I know beer drinks were, you know, wondered about um, picking these barrels. Where do you get them from? I know there's a charring process. If someone knows nothing about barrels, um, tell us why that's important. Well, it's important because that's where you get your color and your flavor on your whiskeys. But mm-hmm. we there's no cooperage in Texas, meaning there's no barrel maker here in mm-hmm. Texas for uh, new oak American barrels, which is what we have to use for bourbon. So mm-hmm. um, we have to source them. Uh, and there are a few places, the obvious ones you think in your mind. There's a, a lot in the Pacific Northwest in California because they have so many wineries and mm-hmm. breweries. And, um, and then, of course, in Kentucky and Tennessee, there are um, a lot of distilleries out there. Absolutely. Just a few. <laughs> um, but what you really need is oak. And Minnesota has a really big cooperage that I like. It's called the Barrel Mill. It's a straight shot down I-35. I'm happy with their barrels. And I'm kind of my philosophy is I I like the consistency of the process from beginning to end. I get all my grain from the same place. I use the same enzymes. I'm using the same barrels. I'm not going to change it for better or worse because this is a four to six year process and that re- begins every year again mm. and again. Um, so I'm happy with them. That's where I get my barrels. The chars in the United States are one through four, typically one, the lightest four the darkest. And most people or most distilleries use a three on bourbon and a four on rye. And, um, we subscribe to that same belief. Gotcha. And the char is literally them taking, um, I've seen some videos of this where they have uh, like a, they take the barrel, turn it upside down, They've got a hole in the floor. They hit a lever and fire spits up and chars, bakes the inside of that barrel. They rinse it out to get all the little flaky stuff off, but it's still that fresh char smell look and everything inside that barrel. You then take that barrel and fill it up with what looks like a a clear spirit, but it's going to be your whiskey or your rye. And you're talking about the degrees of what the char, the lower, the one is the lower amount of char, the higher, the four, the highest, darkest amount of char. And then you take that, fill it up with your whiskey, and that's where your color, your caramelization, taste, and flavors. Um, I've heard about vanilla, the cherry. The there's some um, there's a lot of chemical reactions going on in that barrel. Right, and I would also say, like especially in Texas, mm-hmm. we get a lot hotter than mm-hmm. most other places that we just mentioned. And yeah. So 
That's good and bad. You get a really concentrated whiskey um, over time that ages really quickly. Gotcha. Um, but I think you also lose a lot of sugars. Hmm. And um, sometimes my criticism of whiskey, because generally Texas whiskey is young com- mm-hmm. comparatively, right? Yeah. We're still new. I, I mean, the, the most of the distillers out here have, have been around for under 20 years, we'll say. Agreed. Yeah. yeah even the big ones are in the 10 area, 10 yes. to 12. Um, and so I think that there are things being done and should be done to kind of bring those natural sugars lost back. And my favorite distilleries are the ones who are kind of experimenting with that. And, and I, I don't mean like actually add sugar. I mean, mm-hmm. doing some other things naturally to get it back. And what you're talking about in the losing of the sugar, it is the, the, the wood soaking up the alcohol that we call it. It's called the, the, there's the evaporation, natural evaporation that happens in the barrel. The angel's cut and you have the devil's cut, as they'll say, is the wood that's actually in the, the whiskey or spirit that's actually in the wood. Yeah, that's exactly right. And um, obviously we have a lot greater temperature fluctuations than other places. Mm-hmm. And so we have we see those extremes inside the barrel and we'll lose a lot more Um and it can, again, it can be really good, you, a really good focused concentrated whiskey that's yeah. assertive in your face. But I sometimes will say, but I don't know that it's as balanced as I think it could be or it should be. Yeah, and that's that's really important because you can have um, whiskeys or anything really that where it's sitting in one thing or it's, it's, it's focus is too much on one thing. It's like having a, a song that's not mixed well where if you have, and, I, and this is where I think like you hear a lot of people say notes of this or notes of that, um, it means that there's this part of it that's sticking out. If you have um, something that is, uh, the easy one is alcohol. If you have something that, we, uh, I've always heard it said too hot. If you have something that is too hot, that means that the alcohol is, is shining too much. It's like taking the singer on a band and that's the only thing that you hear. Uh, on like a hair metal band and you're, you're listening to that person scream, some people may like that, and there are that there may be, but most people like something that's a little more balanced, where the wi- where the alcohol is playing with the flavors rather than standing out and burning your mouth in esophagus as it goes down. Right, I think that's a good way to put it. I want you want that depth of flavor and you want that balance. If you were to take my stuff and put it in a barrel today mm-hmm. here, and then take the same spirit and, and fill it and take the barrel up to Kentucky, mm-hmm. four years from now it would taste substantially different. Different, yeah. yes, yeah. There's a uh, distillery out in California that I love called Ascendant, and they have kind of the same issues here uh, there because they're in this weird spot where the mountains are not parallel to the coast, but are diagonal. So they have this channel that opens up and they can have temperatures in a day that fluctuate 30, 40, 50 degrees sometimes, because they can be a hundred something during the day and then drop down to 50 or even forties at night because of the uh, Pacific, the, the air that comes in. And so they have this great problem that their whiskey ages very quickly in the barrel, but then they're like, wait, our whiskey is aging really quickly. And then they get these flavors that they're trying to deal with. Yeah. Right. And so it's always a balancing act of how hot versus how cold. I see a lot of Texas distilleries that have this um, brick house. And there's mm-hmm. and we don't temperature control in our back brick b- barrel room, but we still are cognizant. And it doesn't get super hot or super cold, but there are still pretty big temperature fluctuations back there. Gotcha. But like people who have a lot of these distilleries who have these big brick houses and it's 100 
and 10 degrees in the summer and then it's yeah. freezing in the winter those are huge swings and th- that's where you where you really see um that concentrated whiskey and what that does is that's taking the whiskey in and out of the wood so quickly right. i mean the, the wood is a wick it soaks in and spits out um giving you the color and and all of that um okay we've been talking a whole lot about spirits and i love that (laughs) and i could do this all day long but i wanted to talk to you about um a a real essential question and that is what do you think um you know what's the benefit of a beer drinker that hasn't explored spirits hasn't explored explored bourbon and whiskey and all these things um what do you think some of these benefits are to exploring these worlds um for the for the beer drinker uh, well, I would just say on a very basic level, well, maybe not so basic, but it's understanding grain because mm. that's what I look at this as. For me, having gone to culinary school, it's all um, cooking, whether you're making or brewing beer or distilling distilled spirits. It's mm-hmm. all cooking as a base. And that's what the last two and a half years has taught me is understanding grain and how they um, taste. Yeah after they're cooked and fermented and what I like and what I don't like and the characteristics of each, because I think people think like these cereal grains, you know, or these grains that we're using during these processes are very similar, but I would argue that they all taste so different Mm. from corn to barley to wheat to rye. Um, And we use a grain here called triticale quite a bit. I've Uh, never heard that one. It's an engineered grain in North Texas that it's cr- a cross pollinate of rye and wheat. Okay. And um, I really like it. I think it kind of that creaminess of the wheat cuts into the spiciness of the rye. Mm. And I like it so much. We're barreling it at 100% and we're just going to call it Blackland Whiskey in a couple of years. Wow. But again, that's a differentiator because I like that you can do different things. Because yeah. why, why should I? We, why should we all be making the same stuff? I mean, you yeah. shouldn't be making quality good stuff. And um, you are restricted in the worlds of like bourbons and rye and really everything, but um, you should be able to be creative in those areas. And so for me, it's just understanding the, t- the flavor profiles and tastes of the different grains. And from that, knowing what I like and what I'd like to gravitate towards mm. and what I like to drink. Now, it's, it's interesting that you, you talk about the grains themselves, because um, I think that there's this... Um, uh, assumption that uh, especially beer drinkers can make that um, there's so much that's going on in the barrel because that's what we hear about uh, in the taste of like the after products of like buying the barrel putting a beer in the barrel and they think so much about the barrel and the distillation process and you're taking it back to the grain which is as uh, as a home brewer and as someone that is uh, experienced with that grain plays such an important role it's like the colors that you're painting with you know um, it's so much of what gives the expression of the drink Yeah, I think the grain and the water, which is your base, are hugely important to the final outcome. Mm. And if you change those in any way or mess those up in any way or have a bad batch in any way, you're done. But Mm. um, even on us, if you think about the four spirits we make here, I make our vodka and our gin from 100% red winter wheat, Mm. whereas most American vodkas in this country are uh, made from corn. I like the body of the wheat. The wheat has a slight sweetness to it even though i don't really like that in my vodka but i Mm -hmm. i like the flavor profile of that grain more um Mm. i also like personally maybe it's just 
I like weeded beers. Like uh, that's just that's <laughs> what I like. No, I love I love <laughs> anything with vice attached to it. Right. Um, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Really fun beers. Yes. And so for like bourbon in this country, it has to be at least fifty one percent corn. So corn is carrying the day, and mm-hmm. a lot of that is probably how it interacts with the wood and picks up that flavor. But corn tends to be, um, you know, in the grain world, like a little sweeter. Um, And then the rye has to be 51% rye that we make. Well, that's a a grain that is naturally spicy. And so I love to work with all of those grains and um, put together mash bills that, you know, create unique flavors and breweries can do the same thing. You know, I love hearing um, that about playing with and going outside kind of what is the norm, because I think the, the breweries that um, get a lot of traction and uh, breweries um, that get a lot of, of, of compliments are the ones that are taking what is known, know how to make it well, but also know how to experiment and have fun with it. There's a, a brewery in Fort Worth, Martin House. I'm, I mm-hmm. don't, yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. Um, and they take that to the extreme. Yeah. And Martin House, if you're listening, I really do want to have you on because I can't wait to talk to you about being creative with beer. But um, one of the fun things about beer is that there's very, well, we, there is a standardized like category sheet. There's not like a legal standardized category sheet as much as like with spirits and especially with wine. That's its whole, whole right. You know, they've got books and books and books, libraries with wine code. Right. Spirits have their own code, but it's great to see you trying to play with within um the 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 bounds that are kind of already there um yeah i just i just really love that idea um hold on i've got my little things here um oh um let me ask you this um if you were to put together a flight of if you are interested as a beer drinker what are the things that you should be drinking to get to know like uh, to get to know the spirits world better, what would be your lineup? Say like four or five different things. Well, I mean, I'm not, I don't like to promote it, but it, I still drink it a lot. It would make sense to start to me with an Irish whiskey because it's 100% malted barley, which mm. is basically the same grain that a lot of breweries are using. Right. Gotcha. So I think that would be a good start of, mm-hmm. okay, here's this grain and here's what barley tastes like. I like to drink a lot of whiskeys that are one grain, single grain whiskeys, mm. because then I can really get an idea of, okay, this is what this grain tastes like in yeah. wood, right? So Balcones has like a blue corn whiskey. So I know exactly it's hundred percent blue corn. I can taste that. Um, there's a hundred percent wheat whiskey. And if you yeah. just put them next to each other and do all of that, we have a program here where you can buy a barrel, a custom barrel, and I'll, we'll sit down and we'll do a whiskey tasting and, you create the mash okay and then three years or four years down the road you can take it out and we'll do a custom label for you but when i do that tasting i just do single barrel whiskeys so that they can immediately identify okay this is 100 percent rye this is 100 percent wheat this is 100 percent corn so you can go down and you can say oh i don't like that or i like that a little but it's too overpowering so really go i mean not to continue on this this little um point of the grain but that's what I really would do. I, and then also I would just say I would drink as many of those single grain whiskeys as I can. But I would also say um, if you're if you're asking me like what's a lot of people don't drink right now, it's gin because of that juniper floral assertive mm-hmm. um, taste. But 
um, gin is super popular in Europe. There's like a gin distillery like a cra- like like we have here in terms of craft breweries. They're all over, mm. and it's really coming up. And if you can get yourself on some good gins right now, and there are some good gins, like I think that's something to appreciate to take that spirit and those botanicals. Um, but that's really way out there that compared no. to gin, beer. No, I, I think that's a good point because um, I love gin. Um, my wife and I, that is one of the spirits that uh, we're both on the same level about. And like I can bring home just about any gin and she's like, yay. If I bring <laughs> home like a, a scotch, she's like, well, you have fun, babe, because she, yeah. she just doesn't care for that smoky uh, profile. But um, we both love gins because it's such an exercise in picking out, well, what are you tasting? Right. Um, we bought, uh, we, we were lucky enough to be able to go to Japan and we brought back this Japanese gin that uses the cherry blossoms and you just smell that cherry blossom flavor, uh, that note in the, in the gin. It's so fun to pick that out. And it's not that there's not juniper there, but it plays very well in how they made that gin. Right. And if we're talking about like just trends right now on that same note, I would say pretty much every brewery, not every, almost every brewery in DFW has approached me asking me for my bourbon barrels. And I was actually wanting to ask you about yeah. that. Are you selling them to anybody? Yeah. This is, okay. Yeah. If, if you're allowed to talk about that. Yeah, you know. no, I, okay. I, at first I was like, I'm just gonna do it with this brewery. Okay. And then I was, and then I sort of changed my mind and said, you know what, I'm just <laughs> going to put it out there. It's more marketing that way. So um, yeah, I've sent, uh, we have barrels at, uh, Wild Acre, mm-hmm. we have barrels at Legal Draft, gotcha. we have barrels at Revolver, we have barrels at Hop Fusion, <laughs> we have barrels. And so, but they, I will say like, they want them for different reasons. I would mm. say the majority want the bourbon barrels the for like a stouts. stouts, right? Yeah. But we do have a barrel aged gin here. And so Ooh. just in the tasting room, we don't distribute that. Okay. But I think Legal Draft especially took that and then added some botanicals mm. um to whatever their final mix is gonna be yeah yeah and i tasted that and it was good it's very it's much more on the on the gin side than anything i've ever tasted before yeah but yeah i mean that's just a new trend right now of let's take these barrels and see what we can do with them because they're just so packed with flavor yeah and that's the flavor left over after everything's been drained and it's not like it's not cleaned and things like that because you don't want to have any type of infection or anything like that but correct um there's still so much of that quote devil's cut in the wood yes and it extracts really well with the beer yeah. i don't know what the science is behind it but you <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what it, how it works but it, it tastes great yeah <laughs> I'd say I love that. Ask the, ask the brewers. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna do that. Do you know how that happens? No, I don't know. I just put it in there. It's good. Yeah, it's great. That's the fun. That's the, been the best thing about owning a distillery sometimes because we we have state of the art equipment here and yeah. we're doing um, we're really pushing the limit. And sometimes I'll get some questions and I I just say like I. I know how the oven works. I can make great stuff in the oven. I don't. I don't know. I can't build the oven, right? Like, and there are some th- things I don't know. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. And I, I love that you even got to this point from coming from you know culinary school uh-huh. to wine and the sommelier programs. Yep. Um, and I think that's that's a good thing to mention because the sommelier program is such a large, uh, all-encompassing program. Not just wine, but you have to know so much around the world of of uh, of beverages we'll right say. right yes. yeah. yeah 
I, I, I always say that to everyone. I mean, it's time, of course, but I think everyone should go to culinary school and I think everyone <laughs> should take some sommelier courses because it's just good for food and wine knowledge in your life. Yeah. Um, uh, okay, we're, we're coming up to the last kind of questions here. Um, uh, you know, I think the, the craft beer world, especially here in DFW, has a sense of community. Um, I think there's a lot of, I'll say there's like 95% of what I know, and I don't, I'm not big on the, the craft beer world gossip, but it seems like most everybody gets along and has a sense of we want each other to succeed. Um, is that the same in the you know, uh, craft spirit world in the uh, DFW area? No, I, no, absolutely not. No, hmm. it's, uh, I think the alcohol business just in general, especially the distilled spirits, pretty cutthroat and sketchy and dirty. And I would just also remind you that I was a lawyer for 15 years before this. So when <laughs> I say that, like, that's pretty okay out there. Um, I think you're right about craft breweries because I talk to those guys mm -hmm. and they have a nice camaraderie and mm. um, I'm friendly with all of them. And granted, I'm not their competition per yeah. se, right? So they probably are nice to me too. But um, no, I think it's mm. I think it's pretty cutthroat out there amongst everyone. There are some people I like on the Texas Whiskey Trail mm -hmm. um, that make whiskey. Mm -hmm. And so I get along with those people, I generally draw the line of, um, do you make good stuff? And mm. then I'll like you, even if you're a jerk, because there are some people I like that are definitely jerks. But um, there are, are also some very nice people who make bad stuff, and I'm typically not friends with them. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, um, you know, we're coming here to the close. Um, I know I'm sitting in your, dis in your, in your tasting room. We've got the distillery, room, distillery behind us. Um, so I, I don't know how much more to say. Is there anything else you'd like to promote? Um, but I always give the last couple of minutes of the interview to the guest. Is there anything that you're um, wanting to promote about the distillery? Is there anything that you're like would love to have people hear about uh, this place? Sure. Thanks. I appreciate it. A couple things. I just say if, when you decide it's safe to go back out into the world, and I know everyone has different feelings about that. Um, you should come to our tasting room because it's a really cool place. It's a great place to have a drink before or after dinner. Mm -hmm. It's probably 30 and up in here. Um, and it's nice and definitely an experience for DFW. Uh, I would also say you should at some point like try our stuff. We make really clean spirits. That's what we're known for here because mm. of the equipment that we use. Um, super soft on all the finishes. Uh, we are not in 400 liquor stores in Texas because Benny Keith has done that, but we're in more and more liquor stores every day because we're making quality spirits that people are buying over and over. Mm. Um, and then lastly, can I do a, like a shout out Please. to um, a new brewery that just opened behind us two weeks ago. It's oh, called uh, Maple, Maple and Branch. Branch. Yes. yes. Uh, they were on my podcast. Oh, they actually. were. Yes. Okay. Well, they use our, some of our barrels too. And um, I think you could, if you've listened to this podcast, you can tell that I have pretty strong opinions about things. There are places I obviously like and don't like, and I don't talk about the places I don't like, but I think they're making some pretty good beer over there, mm. and you should go um, and check it out. And also their tap room is pretty awesome. It is a, it is a really cool-looking tap room. Um, I actually got a chance to try their beer before they were opened up. Um, they sent me a couple sample bottles to review, um, and that doesn't happen often, but it's a great it's, – it's fun when people give you free beer. Right. That's never a bad thing. Right. Um, and I've had this happen a couple of times before. And so there are times where I'm like, um, this is really good. Here's my review. If you want me to, I'm more than happy to put this out. Um, and then there was times where I had like Maple Branch beer where um, they, one of the beers they gave me was a Schwarze beer. It's a, it's a 
uh, and a Rausch, excuse me, a Rausch beer. Uh, smoked, I hate smoked beers um, overall, and I was like, I would not order a pint of this, but it is the best tasting, you know, smoked beer that I've had um, from any brewery in the DFW area. And every time I see a smoked beer, I try them because I know I'm going to hate them, but I need to see how people are interpreting the style. And they did such a good job on this beer. It was like the first time I was able to say, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. I like that they're making good beer, and I like that they're pushing the limits a little bit and trying crazy stuff over there too, right? Yeah. 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 I think – and they're just wonderful people by, as well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they're very nice. Yeah. So I wish them a lot of success. Yes. And, and this whole area here where you're at in, in the, the Fort Worth area – um, is is just building up as well. You've got such a cool spot. Um, you've got the retro store across the street. You've got coffee down the street as well. It's just a really, really cool area. It is. And once we get the White Settlement Bridge um, open, mm -hmm. uh, once the Trinity River Vision Authority, you know, kind of figures that out, then it will be great. <laughs> <laughs> well, Marcus, man, thank you so much. This has been a blast. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to talk to me. Um, is there any place in sp uh, specifically you want people to be able to find this online? Um, is there a good place to like uh, make reservations or just is it still walking? Uh, yeah, we do take reservations now, actually, because we're trying to adhere to occupancy and all of the social distancing guidelines. That won't be an issue here. We're not a college bar either where we're packing it in. Yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah, so we require reservations at tableagent.com uh, okay. or you can go to our website, blacklandfw.com gotcha. uh, and it'll link it there. Uh, and then, yeah, we're in pretty much every liquor store in DFW. Um, definitely, of course, Total Wine, Goody Goody Specs, all those places, but really uh, most of the independents as well. Awesome. Awesome. Marcus, thank you so much, man. Thank I really you. appreciate it. Yeah, you I enjoyed it. Thank you. Cheers. All right. <laughs>